Hello and welcome back everyone for another podcast episode of Asilo Magazine. My name is Emre Şentürk and I'm the founder and host of this show. Today I'm going to talk about a very important topic, um, somewhat related to the last episode and this is about the basics of political analysis. Some might say, okay, well, that's kind of theoretical, might be boring, but I think it's one of the most important skills to obtain because once you're able to analyze political developments, you can basically see through walls if you want to, right? So I think political analysis is the cornerstone of properly engaging with new sources, uh, understanding the world, and also building your own opinion on a lot of stuff that is going on and not just digesting what uh, has been presented to you. Of course, it is not always that straightforward. It's always not, uh, it's not always that easy. Uh, we are also subject to biases and to manipulation, obviously. But I think with um, the points that I'm going to raise today, you should be good to go, you know, to probably un uh, properly analyze at least the infrastructure of any ongoing or past conflict, as well as um, yeah, understand the dynamics between states and maybe also um, economic developments that are taking place between two or more countries, right? So let's start with the first point, and this is the historical context. I think, and this is maybe not just... Um, a matter of, of contemporary society, uh, societal dynamics, but a general human nature thing, probably, um, because we have kind of an historical arrogance towards the past, right? Today is relevant. We know it better than people in the past, um, and so on and so forth, right? So we, we look back and we always have like this Captain Hindsight thinking that the other ones, like, our ancestors and people in the past were not able to pro um, properly assess things and, and look through them, but that's not the case, you know, on a situational basis, um, uh, this is the best they could do. And I mean, we today are also very blind to a lot of things going on. And uh, yeah, if we wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't be uh, sitting here talking about political analysis. So we cannot disregard the historic context. And it's very important that we view developments from the roots where they originate and often we have seemingly very um, yeah unrelated or unimportant developments in the past sometimes decades and centuries ago that current developments and and dynamics are actually grounded in because over time you know they uh, intensify if they're not proper um, uh, properly ad uh, addressed and dealt with right And over time, these dynamics, once very small and, and little aspects, right, turn into um, long-term um, yeah, problems that we encounter. I mean, we can think about uh, we can think about a lot of stuff, for example, the industrialization. Back then, um, there were certain lobby groups that were um, advocating for all sorts of product or kind of uh, also hindering uh, other products to enter the market. Um, we can think about alternative fuels and alternative building materials. So the steel industry and the petrol industry 
were um, quite strong at that time, you know, and once they, they um, were able to kind of shut the access of other alternative um, industries to the mainstream, it actually intensified to such a point that today we have to make a whole overhaul of the energetic infrastructure that we have today in order to uh, to move closer to clean energy, for example. But we can also look at political um, developments. I mean, the, the Ukraine war is not something that just uh, popped up uh, in the last two years or was um, kind of a development um, that is yeah, I'm just confined to, to the last couple of years, right? It is something that has its roots um, yeah, deep, deep, deep in the 20th, uh, 20th century. So when we think about the ongoing conflict situations and developments, we always have to go back to the roots. It's always difficult to identify those, but if we take two actors, and this is kind of the second point in the context of uh, historical analysis of political events, if we have two actors, we try to go back to the point where those two actors had their first moment in history together and then look if that moment actually changed something in the dynamics or actually created a new dynamic between those, right? So in the case of Ukraine and Russia, we would look when was the first time those two societies met or you know, crossed um, uh, ways in a sense and we then go through all the occasions and look where's the most sensible meeting of those and in this case I mean obviously it's the independence of Ukraine in, uh, in the 90s so from that point onwards um, we can track the history of Ukrainian politics and the bilateral relations between Russia and Ukraine and then come to the conclusion that there has been a build up you know between those two countries and this build-up was also influenced by other forces just to give an example right but if we look at it isolated in an isolated way and see well there has been russian arms build-up at the uh, at the borders over the last couple of years this is not sufficient yeah on the other side the nato has also been ex expanding and so on and so forth and this just drags us back in time you know where we go to this point and find where, um, where the dynamics started between those two actors. If we look at the Afghanistan situation, this is something that stems from the Soviet-Afghan war back in the 80s, right? The, the things that we encountered just, um, just a year ago. So I think um, it, is, yeah, it, it is very important to consider the historical context. We always need to be uh, aware of what has been going on and where the dynamics come from. And uh, because over time with the accumulation effect, they uh, intensify and lead to conflict and to great problems. Um, second, uh, after we figured out what the historic contexts are and how to see uh, how to approach this whole uh, phenomenon that we're looking at it also it might also be an economic agreement or a diplomatic de development i'm just uh, yeah just throwing in examples the next important yeah, the, the, the next important step is to figure out the own stance and own bias before we go into the details of the analysis of the matter at hand we have the historical context right we know that this is our basis but now we look we turn back to the contemporary sources on um, 
this phenomenon and then we think what is our what, what is my own stance what is my own opinion on this right if we go back to the ukrainian uh, war or the U ukraine war what is my opinion on this one am i siding with ukraine or am i siding with russia and why do i do this am i neutral why am i neutral and so on and so forth these are very important questions no matter uh, what you're looking at you need to consider those questions because if you don't do uh, if you don't do so your analysis in the later part is going to be um, yeah it's not going to be very fruitful it's not going to give you the results you um, expect actually because if you are not aware of the factors that influence your thinking you cannot rule them out once you arrive to a conclusion right you always have to be aware of what is influencing you and uh, what kind of feelings you carry with you when looking at um, political topics. So we need to understand our own bias in order to eliminate it or at least um, yeah, also include it in the analysis. Because when in the end you have the end product of your or the conclusion of your analysis, you can also say, this is my conclusion, this is the result, but... My bias is this and this and that, considering factor uh, ABC. You know, doesn't matter. Once you do this, this gives you credibility. This also gives you the ability to to uh, reflect on what you found later on, and this also adds something to the discussion because we then know with this bias, people can reach this and this conclusion. It's an important factor. It's not always figuring out okay uh, who has the most objective and cleanest uh, analysis obviously that's the that's the aim but also having very well explained uh, conclusions within bias and this bias is also explained there this adds also to the discussion because we then know okay well um, these are the ways we can think about um, the certain subject matter whatever it is then we actually turn to the to the core analysis and this is the first question that we need to ask ourselves or we need to examine is who are the actors um, obviously it's it's clear you know in politics we need to consider the actors uh, who are they uh, what do they do and um, the next question after we've identified all the relevant actors and this is important relevant actor i mean in the globalized world all the nations are somewhat interconnected and also in, in involved in uh, many conflicts. But uh, the relevant actors are enough here. And then we need to ask ourselves, what are the most obvious goals of those, of those actors? And when I say obvious goals, it's not what they articulate and tell us that their goals are, but what we think are the most obvious goals. Meaning, if one country, country A, invades country B, uh, what is the most obvious goal? Gain resources, gain land, whatever, right? Usually we know what it's about and uh, why countries do certain things. Why do they enter into agreements of um, bilateral agreements? Why do they isolate other countries? Why do they structure their financial policies in a certain way? Why, why, why? We often know what they want to do. Either they want to 
expand their power or their wealth. And uh, this is what countries in the contemporary system do, not in devilitist systems, right? In devilitist systems, um, as I also explained in my book, countries act in a whole different way, right? They have yeah, a very unique way of looking at things. But this is another story in the contemporary system, in the contemporary um, state setting. Countries either want to further power or wealth, And how do they do this? Uh, in, in, what, um, in what form is what are their most obvious goals? The reason why we ask that is the opposition knows this as well. The opposition, if we can understand and filter out, okay, country uh, A wants to do this and this and that in order to gain this and this and that, right? The opposition knows this, uh, knows this as well. And country A also knows that the op opposition knows what they want to do. It's actually yeah, a card game uh, with open cards in the end. So it's very obvious um, what is going on. And this is what makes political analysis so interesting because everyone actually knows um, what the deal is, uh, what the aims and the goals are. And because that is the case, we need to then figure out Is that not just kind of a game or kind of a cover to achieve other goals? You know what I'm. You know where where I'm getting at, right? So if you make action A, which has the obvious effect of reaching goal A, maybe you're just doing it because on the way there you create side effects that are going to affect B and C as well. Right, And this is what makes political analysis so tricky. Because we all know what's going on, but do we really know what's going on? So, after, after having um, filtered out the ob obvious goals, and um, also from, from both sides, or all the sides of involved actors here, right? we need to analyze the action in the light of um, how it brings them closer to the obvious goals in the first place. So if we go back, take country A, invades country B to gain greater power, how do they do it, right? Depends on the geographic location of the country. Is it a neighboring country? Um, do we have a lot of mountains? Is it divided by sea? And so on and so forth. So we can then analyze what kind of weaponry, weaponry is used in order to invade the country. Um, but we can also think about if two countries want to um, further their bilateral trade relations, how do they do it, right? In the most obvious sense, they will exchange their strength um, or the, the, the strong parts of the economy with each other. One is good in trade or technology, the other one is good in uh, uh, producing agricultural goods or has... Uh, a lot of resources, minerals and stuff. So they're probably going to yeah, intensify the trade on those commodities. This is the most obvious thing. So what do they need to do? They need to craft an agreement that involves these, uh, these factors. So this is part one. And once we did this, um, we need to also filter out, and this is again the more interesting part of political analysis, is 
what other side effects do the actions produce, right? Or what other goals can be achieved through that? For example, if we go back to this economic agreement and con one country is actually um, developing its heavy industry through this agreement, maybe they just don't want to or not only want to strengthen and bolster their heavy industry, maybe they also want to compete with another country in order to uh, gain regional power, right? And you can read this from the way how, how they uh, negotiate this agreement. What clause are, clauses are there, right? Um, does it, uh, do they undercut the prices, right? Um, how long is the agreement, for example? What firms are included in the deal? You know, who is actually um, from, from the public tenders? Uh, who is, uh, who's involved in the deal, right? Are these foreign firms, are these uh, domestic firms, um, are also other deals next to the, uh, to the economic uh, trade agreement? Yeah, are they also involved in all this? And by the nature of the agreement and the actions taken, we can also understand if other goals um, are tried to, uh, to be achieved, right? So if they're trying to, to go for, for other stuff that is, that is going on there. So, I mean, the, the, most, the most obvious, the most obvious uh, situation I can think of is the Gulf War, the second one, where uh, the United States invaded um, Iraq and stayed there for 20 years, uh, waged a very long-term war just to extract the resources from there. So it's actually not, and I mean, it was obvious, sure, it was obvious that they want to do that. And uh, from the way they did it, um, we can understand, okay, they achieved it. But the interesting part of it is that if a country with the obvious goal to extract oil from there goes to this country, stays there and spends um, yeah, incredible amounts of money to stay there and extract the oil and control the oil uh, output and production there. You also need to go there and analyze how they did it, right? And the way the United States did this was by keeping the Iraqi government and the Iraqi people um, down, right? They did not allow for any societal advancement and development there. So they destabilized the country, knowing that once they will not be there anymore, the country is not going to recover. And the reason for that is because there in the region, they have powerful allies that they want to help and want to retain the regional power. For example, Israel, right? By having Israel, uh, by, by uh, weakening Iraq, Israel is going to gain relative strength within, uh, strength within the region. But also, as it is a neighboring country to Iran, the unrest in Iraq can also contain um, the power of um, Iran, as well as stationing U.S. troops in the neighboring country of Iran is also another security threat to them. So with one action, they actually fulfilled three goals, right? Extracting uh, oil, containing Iran, 
and also uh, supporting Israel in their uh, local, uh, local, I mean, uh, regional struggle for power in, um, in the Middle East. But this is not something they would say. They didn't, they didn't even say, okay, we went there for, for the oil, right? There are also geostrategic uh, goals that they um, pursued there, more or less successful. But we can only understand it if we look at it from the perspective to see, okay, well, what were the actual, um, what was the actual behavior like on site? And this is what can be extracted from the analysis of this uh, phenomenon. If we would like to apply the historical context to it, okay, well, the long-lasting relationship between Israel and um, the United States and the lost uh, revolution in Iran, obviously, um, all ground in the, yeah, in the 40s and 70s. So, therefore, the historical context is also given here. All in all, All in all, I think um, the key takeaways from political analysis are considering the historical context, look for the obvious goals, and then look how they actually try to reach those obvious goals. Because if you want to reach a very obvious goal, you take a very obvious route there. Right? So you just take the most straightforward path, and because it's so obvious, um, you don't deal with kind of uh, yeah, covering up and uh, so on and so forth. But if you go through the actions and then see how the micro actions within achieving that obvious goal are also serving other goals, this opens up the fourth point, achieving other goals than the most obvious main goal, which does not always have to be articulated, uh, the main goal, but... Obviously, the, uh, the side effects, yeah, the, the secondary goals, are also not openly formulated or articulated. And this is a very broad sketch of, um, of political analysis. There are lots of, uh, lots of other factors to consider, um, as well as yeah, some kind of um, requirements that you need to keep in mind. For example, how do I collect sources? How... Um, Do I use the sources? Where do I get them? And, and how does that all work? I will also make an episode on this topic, how we engage with news articles, where to look, where not to look, how to read them, how to use them. Um, I want to make an episode on this as well. So this is, for example, a very important requirement to get to the political analysis later on. And this is just a very broad sketch, right? But I think with these tools, you know, or with these steps, um, you're good to go to uh, pretty much understand what's going on. I think this is very valuable. It's a very nice skill to have. Um, and it's not, not a nice skill to have. It's a very necessary skill to have. Everyone uh, should be, um, yeah, should have a certain level of confidence in, in political analysis. So I think um, this is a good first step. Maybe I will... Um, dive into more detail in other episodes or maybe pick up um, a certain um, yeah a certain phenomenon of development but for the time being I think you're uh, very well equipped to take this uh, this knowledge and apply it to whatever you read on the news um, I hope you enjoyed it I hope it helps you and I hope you liked it so Take care and see you next time or hear you next time.
for another episode of Acido Magazine. So take care and bye.